It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. In Isaiah chapter 40, there is a great verse of encouragement. In Isaiah 40, 31, the Word of God says this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. A little later on in Isaiah 41, verse 10, listen to this. At a time when people are apprehensive, people are wondering about just the state of the country, if you need a word of encouragement today, folks, we begin our show with Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And with those words, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. And, you know, Bert, at a time of instability, and there's, uh, sadly, there's been fighting in the Middle East, and uh, our beloved Israel has been fired upon, and here in America, people are wondering just, you know, what does the future hold? Isn't it good to read about the hope we have in the Lord, the strength, and the protection, provision, and the sustenance that we are promised in Christ our Savior? You know, Alex, when things are going well, we need the Lord. When things are just a little bit off, we need the Lord. When things are horrible and bad, we need the Lord. There's no time. But if you noticed, we recognize that the most when things are difficult and hard. And so in these difficult, hard times, I I pray people would remember that. Call upon the Lord, and he will answer. He will respond. And so, Alex, I appreciate that. I love Isaiah, and I love that they that wait upon the Lord. And honestly, that is in progression. In other words, it's easier to mount up with wings as as eagles. It's easier to do that than to run and then to walk. Walk and not faint is the highest calling. You remember, it's, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Walk with the Lord, walk in the Spirit. You know, getting high and excited for a moment, uh, mounting up with wings. Uh, Alex, I love those times, but the times it really matters when we're walking with the Lord through the valleys and through those difficult places in life. Exactly. And folks, this is a Fireway Friday. You're listening to Exploring the Word, and we're going to get to calls in just a minute. And for this entire hour, we're going to take your Bible questions. So we would love to hear from you. And the number is 888-589-8840. And uh, maybe if you've never called in, don't be shy. You might be a first-time caller. We'd love to hear from you. But, Bert, before we go to the phones, 888-589-8840, you're talking about walking. And I've always loved Galatians 5. So I say to you, says Paul, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the lust of the flesh. And verse 17 says, the flesh fights against the Spirit, desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Spirit says what is contrary to the flesh. 
they're in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Walking, left foot, right foot, things like that. I think about some of the the things we do. We read the Word of God, and that's the Lord talking to us. Then we pray, and that's us talking to the Lord. Or we, we uh, walk in faith, but then we know the things we see around, and we see what God has done for us. And, friend, if you feed the Spirit, the Lord and the Holy Spirit will have dominance. But if you neglect your walk with the Lord, or if you feed your lusts, emotions, your temptations, I mean, the thing that you invest in will be the thing in your life that has the dominance, uh, isn't it, Bert? It is, and it's true. I I had a professor one time says there's like two dogs in us, a good one and a bad one. The one you feed the most is the one that wins the battle. And hmm. uh, it is like that, it, and we need to feed upon the Word of God, feast upon. And that's why Jesus would tell Peter, feed my sheep. Uh, it wasn't just for the sheep, but it was for the shepherd, Uh uh, Peter himself, he says, Peter, if you'll stay in the Word so you can feed my sheep, uh, you'll be a lot better off. I found that true in my life as well, Alex. So, hey, we're getting phone calls. They're calling from all over the United States. Or, are you ready to take some of these calls? We're ready. And let me remind you, folks, this show, you can listen again at AFR.net. So much content is archived there. And, you know, you may... This show or maybe some previous program, you say, gee, I'm going to forward that to a friend. That'll be an encouragement to them. You can send a link. And so um, avail yourself to the good archive of content, today's show included, at AFR.net. Well, let's go to Jason in Arkansas. Jason, welcome to Exploring the Word. Jason, are you there? Yeah. Hey, Jason, are you there? Yeah, I could barely, I could barely. But now okay, hey, I I had to click two times in place of one, but you're on now. Go ahead, Jason. Hey, I got a question for y'all uh, about Jacob wrestling with the angel. So, in my Bible, I'll read the King James Version, and it says, you know, he wrestled with a man, but after that it said he called the place Peniel. It says because he saw the faces, or saw God face to face, and his life was preserved. And uh, if you read Genesis 48, 15 through 16, it basically calls God an angel. But I'm not talking about an angel as we think, but the Spirit of God. So in my mind, Jacob didn't wrestle with just any angel. He wrestled with God himself. Hey, Jason, mm. I have looked at that and looked at that. Remember what angel means. It's a transliteration of what we know of. The real meaning of it is messenger, and sometimes that messenger is God himself bringing that message to us, and sometimes it is uh, an angel of the Lord. Alex, uh, I, I honestly believe uh, Jacob was wrestling with the Lord himself at that point. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree that uh, when you read the, the term the angel of the Lord, and it's all capitalized, that means Almighty God. And many scholars believe any time in the Old Testament when you see the angel of the Lord, that this was uh, very likely a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Christ. You know, you mentioned the, the name 
uh, penuel or pineal. And every, I'm, I'm thinking right now of, in Virginia, I know where there's a, a pineal Baptist church, which really means face of God. So the Lord, definitely a messenger to people. Um, I think Jacob wrestled with a pre-Bethlehem incarnation of God himself. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. <laughs> yeah. And he wanted his name. What is your name? When you know name of someone, it gives you a personal relationship in place of calling into a crowd. Hey, you, uh, we don't know who that you is, but when you say Alex or Bert, we know good and well who it probably is, unless there's another one in that crowd. Thank you so much, Jason. Let's, Bert, I got to ask you. Yeah, this. Did go ahead. you did you ever hear? You probably don't hear this phrase too much anymore. But I used to hear older people talk about some pivotal moment where they would pray through. Um, the night I prayed through, and by that I think they they meant that they went through some you know important thing where they really needed to get the Lord into their life, and just like Jacob said, you know, I'm not going to let you go. Uh, Lord, I'm going to take hold of you till you bless me. Sometimes in life, you just have to get alone with God till not so much you're arm wrestling with him to do something for you. I really think those those dark night of the soul where we have to pray through, it's changing us, actually, isn't it? I agree but, with you fully. Yes, Lord, change me. Uh, one of my favorite people uh, wrote a book about Lord, change me, Evelyn Christensen. Just a oh, yeah. godly, godly woman, pastor's wife, but just a great speaker. Lord, change me. And I found out when I change, guess what? It seems like everybody else changes. I want them to change, but when I change, they have to change. So, uh, so Lord, change me is my prayer. Next, Amen. let's go down to Texas and talk to Charles. Charles, welcome. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I've been listening to y'all for years. Bless you, and I brother. think, yes, sir. I think maybe I can get an answer from this question. Now, the question is: It's in Revelation eleven, verse eight, and it's five points to this verse. And I'm, I'm gonna give you uh, a heads up. It's not Jerusalem, because today, if we look at it today, Jerusalem, the country where Jerusalem is. It's not the, uh, the, a world power. It's not a world power. It's not. So my question is, what is this? Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Now, Egypt represents the house of bondage. Egypt represents, at the time, a world power. And also where our Lord was crucified. So this is not Jerusalem. This is another place. Okay. Uh, Charles, you've said that. This is about the two witnesses. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth, devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven. Now, let me say this, Charles. I... I've preached when it comes to eschatology, when it comes to things in the future, Jerusalem is the center place. It really is. Keep your eyes on Jerusalem. 
Now, I know today it's D.C. Uh, I know they think New York, uh, you know, even Moscow, London, Alex, but Jerusalem is still the place when it comes to future events. Well, in Revelation eleven eight, it said, and look at the last clause of that sentence, where also the, the Lord was crucified. So I, I get it. Babylon is a, a city that could be called great, politically strong. But in the Revelation uh, eleven eighteen, the two witnesses lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom in Egypt. All right, if it ended there, we might have some question. But it says, where also the Lord was crucified? One, one option, Jerusalem. It is. And uh, keep your eyes on Jerusalem, even today with all the things in the world. We're going to go to another call real quick before we go to break, and it's Sharon in Arkansas. Sharon, welcome. Thank you. Um, Long-time listener, love you guys' show. I have a situation going on in northwest Arkansas where they're going to have a drag show, Um, and it's going to be touted as a family-friendly thing, and I'm wanting to stand against it, not it or you know anything like that we're going to have like a prayer visual um just to, you know just to you know focus on um we want to be godly we don't want to be hateful we don't want to be anything like that but we want the community to know that it's not okay okay we're going to have to come back to that thank you for standing for righteousness when you stand for righteousness that means you stand against. Hey, we got lines open, so make that call. 888-589-8840. Alex and I are waiting on you. We'll be right back. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Drew Hirschfeld, Acting Director of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. His agency issues patents and handles trademark registration for products and intellectual property. Colossians 3.23 reminds us of the importance of working and creating. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Drew Hirschfeld in his work at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. God is everywhere, but Dr. Tony Evans says whether or not he decides to make his presence visible depends on us overcoming a common church challenge. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. You know what we're missing today? Glory. We're missing God showing up. See, we hear a sermon, but God hadn't shown up. God says, if you are unified, I will show up. If you are disunified, I will disappear. God will not work in disunity. That explains why the devil's main purpose is to cause conflict. Because conflict creates disunity. If it creates disunity, God's glory won't show up. If God's glory doesn't show up, nothing changes. 
So what we need is God's glory back. And God's glory comes back when there is a unified praise and glorification of him. Whatever you are facing in your life and your circumstances, get the glory of God. And the glory of God comes with the recognition of his goodness, the praise of his loving kindness, in spite of your circumstances, the spiritual agreement to be unified so that you build a runway for his glory to land on. See, God's glory is circling because he can't find a place to land. He can't find a group of people who are going to be on his agenda and not their agenda. See, we got this wrong. We want God to bless us prior to us blessing him. The problem you're facing is not just the problem you're facing. It is the enemy causing division to keep the glory up there and keep it from landing down here. Get all the equipment you need to tune up your relationship with God. Check out Tony's CD series, The Spiritual Toolkit, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. We've got some lines open. We're going to get to as many calls as we can. That's 888-589-8840. Sharon from Arkansas is telling us about this show, a drag show in her area. I had heard about it. Devin had heard about it. And uh, I think it's sponsored by, I I better not, I heard some, it's sponsored by some corporations that shocked us when I heard it. And uh, so Alex uh, Sharon wants to stand. You stand in righteousness. You stand strong. Uh, and then I think you pray, but I think you get other people to stand with you. And uh, having done all to stand, the Bible talks about that, doesn't it? It really does. And and let me just say parenthetically, um, yes, I've been aware of this too, and this is a very sad thing because, um, for one thing, gender confusion and transgenderism is always a result of abuse. Now, everybody knows that they're trying to normalize transgenderism and make it just like anything else, uh, and even crazy things in in the news, even in the last week, the idea that men can get pregnant and have babies, that's impossible. So we're trying to normalize things that are always the result of abuse and things that are not even real. This is not reality. So we need the Spirit of God to help people understand what truth is. And let me just say this, Bert. The Lord says we're to love our neighbor and to try to show children, you know, drag and gender confusion as if it were normal. Um, If I really love my neighbor, why would I encourage my neighbor in something that is a, a product of abuse and emotional and physical violation? One other thing I want to say, um, I know I can almost hear it, the threefold objection that the the sexual libertines, gay, lesbian, transgender, they'll say, well, look, um, this is hate, this is phobia, and you can't impose your religion on me. Well, A, we as Christians, we don't hate anybody. Of course we don't. And we're not afraid of anybody. It's not phobia, not afraid of anything but God. 
We have no fear but the Lord. But the third thing, Bert, and I'll say this quickly, folks, listen carefully. When the uh, the woke world says, well, you can't impose your religion on me. Look, the idea that men and women are different is not religion. It's just common sense and it's natural law. So whenever we say that marriage is between a man and a woman, life is sacred, therefore abortion is wrong, you can't redefine marriage to include gay marriage, and men should stay out of women's restrooms. That is not imposing anybody's religion on anybody. That's natural law, which is the foundation of our country. So believe it or not, this drag show, besides being ungodly, unbiblical, borderline child abuse, and enforcing abuse it really is unconstitutional because we still are a representative republic based on natural law. So, uh, folks, we have an opportunity to speak out and make a difference, and I pray that those folks in northwest Arkansas can do that. Father, I pray for Sharon that you would give her strength. She's called us, and I pray now that whatever you would lead her to do to, to stand for righteousness— and, Father, honestly, when you stand for that, uh, there are those that would oppose you. And I pray, Father, that you would help her stand in love, stand in strength. And whatever you would guide her to do, give that success in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Sharon, for calling. Uh, let's go to Texas and talk to Bill. Bill, welcome. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for taking my call. I uh, I listen to you guys all the time. Uh and you really helped me understand biblical uh, uh, teachings. And, and right now I have a little bit of confusion, and I wanted to ask you a question. Sure. I, uh, have been, I'm, in, I'm in Second Samuel, and I think I'm on chapter 21. And David, King David's giving, a, uh, I believe, a prayer, and he's expressing his self-righteousness. And uh, the, the, I guess the good life that he's lived and the fact that the Lord has blessed him because of his righteousness and good life, but I have a real hard time reconciling David's seeming, seeming to boast with his behavior over up to now, at least, through where I've, I've read. And, and I'm wondering, does, does David ever get, I, I guess, uh, redirected by the Lord to, to where, uh, or is he really uh, fooled and he thinks he's that self-righteous? Okay, great question. I think there is a man called Nathan uh, that that comes to Bill, uh, points his long pointed finger at him, and says, "You're the man, uh, David." And then we had a psalm that David expressed that sorrow. Yeah, he felt good until truth kind of came upon him, and but God loved him because he had a heart for God. That's that's the part that David did when he was finally acknowledged that, it turned his life around, didn't it, Alex? It really did. It really did. And let me say, in the case of King David, um, you look at his life as a, as a whole, not in one or two particular vignettes. And, you know, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. But here's what it boils down to, because you're right, Nathan very courageously, you know, put David under conviction and said, Thou art the man. But scholars talk about 
positional righteousness and practical righteousness. You know, how was David a righteous man? My goodness, an adulterer, complicit with the murder of Uriah. But here's the thing, Bert, as I understand it, the, the positional righteousness of God is ours when we put our faith in the, the Savior. Now, the practical righteousness is our day-to-day life, and it is possible. And, and folks, listen, I'm, I'm in no way, in no way am I saying that sin is all right. It isn't. But a person can lapse in their practical day-by-day obedience and still be positionally righteous as a believer, can't they, Bert? They can. Let me read part of Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you. And you lonely have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Again, so much is here, but but I, I would say, you know, Bill, when you look at David, uh, he, he is, uh, you know, it's difficult and hard. Look at Samson. I would same same way. Jacob, uh, God, <laughs> it's amazing who God has used. And I want to say this. It re- I, oh, my goodness, it is. It is, it? isn't it? That means you out there. And you said, God could never use me because of what something I've done or anything. Go to God. Go to him. Do Pray Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. I acknowledge my transgression. Against you I have sinned. And, and just go to God. He is a loving, merciful God. And I thank God for that. And he can forgive sin because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Not because of what you've done, but because what Jesus has done. Now, if you think that gives you liberty to sin, I want to tell you what Paul said about that. God, in the King James, I Hmm. love this in the King James, God forbid. Alex, uh, it doesn't give us a license, does it? No, it really doesn't. And in fact, if you're a born-again Christian, you're going to feel sensitivity to sin. And you're going to let the Holy Spirit keep your conscience very tender and so when we do stumble in sin, we want to quickly confess it, receive God's forgiveness, and forsake it. In fact, if somebody can go on in sin and they don't just don't feel any conviction, that's a red flag. They yes, might sir. need to make sure they really have been born again. Amen. Good word. Thank you, Alex. Let's go to Iowa and talk to Scott. Scott, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I, I was just looking at what you are saying. I was so interested in that story of David, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and believe me, I have sinned. And the the part of where David says, bring back my, the joy of my salvation has, has <laughs> saved my life many a times. Hallelujah. Uh, hey, listen, I, I'm interrupting for a minute, Scott, but you, hold on. Restoring to the joy of thy salvation. It's God's salvation that he's given to us. Relish in it, and thank God for that forgiveness. Thank you, brother. That's a good testimony. I know you got a question, but I thank God for your testimony, brother. Go ahead. Um, so my question is, I would like your opinion on the recent sightings of UFOs and that the Pentagon has come and said that these things are real, these are true. Um, I 
personally believe this is a spiritual issue, and I would just like to hear you guys' view on that. Okay. Mm. UFOs, unidentified yeah. flying objects. First, they are. They're unidentified, okay? I don't. So if we say we believe in UFOs, we're saying we believe there's something there that's been unidentified. Does it mean it's from outer space? Does it mean it's from another planet? Not because I said it, uh, but they've been unidentified. Alex, uh, Scott's saying spiritual. Do you catch any of that yourself? You know, Warren Wiersbe, and the reason I bring up Warren Wiersbe, um, Bert, has he passed on? He has. He, in- he has. And just let's take a minute. If you can get any of his books, it's called the B series. Yes. Uh, I, I guess the reason I love him so, he, he does it the way I was taught to do it about Scripture, outlining Scripture and then, you know, putting it in a chapter and look at that chapter and divide it into two or three points and like that. And so, but Warren Wiersbe, great oh, man of God, great writer. Yes, he went on to be of the Lord. And, you know, he was at Moody Church before Dr. Lutzer, who's also a beloved figure. But many years ago, Warren Wiersbe wrote a little, a small paperback about UFOs. And the reason I bring up his name is because, you know, he is, he was very respected, very stable. Certainly Warren Wiersbe was not a, not a, uh, a wing nut or anything. But Wiersbe years ago talked about the fact that, you know, Satan can appear as an angel of light. And maybe, you know, the vast majority are probably things like satellites or even, you know, the sunshine can reflect off of an airplane or something. But I, Bert, I'm at least open to the idea that some of these manifestations are demonic. And let me say this, of the people that have claimed to have had a close encounter of the third kind, in other words, they've communicated with an alien, I will say this, the messages of alleged aliens, and by the way, folks, there is no life on other planets. Uh, the, The Bible says that Adam was the first man God created. Everything we read about in the Word of God refers to life, creation, and God's interaction with the human race here on planet Earth. So there, there, there are. I don't believe there is intelligent life anywhere else in the universe, but the right here on Earth that God has made and God Himself. But here's the thing: of the people that have claimed to have interacted with aliens, the messages are always anti-biblical, anti-Christian. Um, the people that have interacted with aliens have said it was, you know, they felt terrible. Uh, many experienced mental problems. So here's the thing. Uh, Galatians 1.8, Paul said, if we or an angel from heaven preaches a different message, let them be accursed. I, I do think there is the, the possibility, if not the likelihood, that some of what people think are unidentified flying objects are really demonic manifestations. And Bert, as the world has abandoned morality, as, as we're getting farther and farther away from acknowledgement of God's Word and the authority of Scripture, I, I fear that we're at a place where the human, ra- human race is very vulnerable to the, the false revelations of these UFOs, these aliens, and it might, I don't know, I'm not being dogmatic here, but it might be part of the great delusion that will cause many people to irrevocably turn unto lies. So 
we need to pray. But I will say the U.S. government and the U.S. military certainly seems to be taking UFOs more seriously than they ever have before. Okay. Thank you, Scott. Alex, thank you for that. And let me just share with you, here's what Satan wants, anything but God. So if they can get that kind of light away from the true light, that's what Satan will do, either through uh, reality or through make-believe, whatever it is. So anyway, let's stay with God. Let's go to Max in Kentucky. Max, go right ahead. Hey, how y'all doing? I love your show, and uh, congratulations on everything you do. I've uh, been listening probably for about over a year now, and uh, y'all have uh, gave me a lot of insight and, and, and helped me with some other things, too, and I appreciate all that you do. So thank you very much for continuing sharing the Word of God. Okay. The thing I wanted to Bless you. mention was uh, uh, Miss Karen had called in a couple of callers uh, ahead of me and was talking about uh, the issue that you're having there in our Okay, I think we mm. must have lost Max. Uh, Maybe talk, he can call back. Yeah, talking about Sharon and her, about the drag show there in mm -hmm. Arkansas. And uh, are you there, Max? We lose you. I think we've lost him. Hey, we mm. haven't got uh, enough time to go to another caller before the break. So, Max, if you can get back with us, we'll go to you. But, Alex, uh, I'm off this Sunday. far as I know, I'll be uh, off. But are you preaching Sunday? Uh, I am. By the way, I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina, one of the great churches in the state of North Carolina, and I suspect one of the great churches in our nation, Rockfish Church. That's where I am. Hey, listen, folks, tonight, 6.30 p.m. tonight at Rockfish Church, uh, multiple services tomorrow, and we're going to talk about how to defend the faith, and I'll be here all Sunday morning, too. Amen. Great man. Uh, pastor there is a great, great man, great church. Hey, we're going to come back to your phone calls right after this break. Don't you go away. Hey, Siri. Go ahead. Show me some Christian music streaming apps. Okay. Here's what I found under Christian music streaming apps. Hmm. The AFR app? Isn't that talk shows only? It was. Until recently. Now the new music streaming option plays music 24-7. Oh, wow. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. Super Bowl coach Tony Dungy tweeted, Lord, our land is sick and we need healing. But first, we have to repent and turn back to you. Tony recognizes what we all know. Our nation is falling apart. He also knows what many refuse to acknowledge, that the way to fix what's broken is to return to God's ways. If we followed the Bible, we'd love and not hate. If we followed the Bible, we'd realize there's only one race, the human race. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Microsoft founder Bill Gates has announced that he and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce. The revelation comes after news reports revealed that Bill Gates has spent long weekends together with his former girlfriend, Ann Winblad, at her beach house in North Carolina for decades. These same reports indicate that Melinda Gates approved of this private vacation time. The thing that was apparently too much for Melinda Gates was the revelation of Bill's cozy relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. God designed marriage as a holy institution that reflects the relationship between Christ and his church. 
Marriage is one man and one woman for life. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Luke 7, verse 16 says, They glorified God, saying, God has visited His people. My family once visited the Sistine Chapel. The ceiling fresco painted by Michelangelo is magnificent. It depicts God reaching down with His finger to man. And man weakly reaches up with his finger to touch God. Yet there's a gap. Well, that's an accurate depiction of our sinful state. We'll always fall short of reaching God on our own. But God loved us so much that He has bridged the gap. His mercy and grace moved Him to come to us through His Son, Jesus. And God reaches out to you today. He'll touch your life for His glory when you trust Jesus Christ. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. He never stops loving us just as we are. He loves us. You know, God loves you, and we're going to go back to the calls. But I want to say, if you need spiritual help, maybe you need to come to the Lord and today settle this. And be sure, look, be sure that you have Jesus in your life and that you've been saved. Or maybe maybe it's not coming to the Lord, but you need to come back to the Lord. Bert, we've got a number we call, and listen, folks, no strings attached. These are just people that will pray with you. They will listen to you. And we often say Jesus is as close by as a prayer. And if you if you need spiritual help and you've just got a burden on you and life is a is just weighing you down, God cares. He really does. Bert, what is the number that people can call and talk to somebody about salvation? That's triple eight need him. Triple eight need him. And they'll talk with you, they'll pray with you, they'll help you, and uh, get right with God. Don't delay. Uh, Today's the day of salvation. We're not given assurance about tomorrow, but we can have assurance concerning tomorrow because we're right with God. And so I pray you do that. Well, Alex, we've got some people online. As according to how many we get to today, we'll see. But let's go to Mike in West Virginia. Mike, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Dr. McFarland, I'd like to know where you get your information regarding what people claim about UFOs and aliens. Uh, They do not give anybody spiritual messages. They treat people like biological research specimens. Mm. Well, there are people that have claimed it. I mean, I've read interviews with people who claim they have uh, communicated with higher beings and avatars and aliens and things like that. And there, there's always like a message about a new world order and a great day is coming and the old paradigm is passing away. And um, I, Hank Hanegraaff and the Christian Research Institute and um, Elliot Miller 
very respected scholar, Elliot Miller of uh, the Christian Research Journal, did several articles um, a couple of years ago, and they document all of the people that, at least the people they interviewed, that have claimed to have communicated with aliens. And Elliot Miller noted that never, never was there an alleged message from an alien where the alien said, oh, by the way, the Bible, that is God's Word. You ought to follow it. It's always, if there is some message about morals, life, and spirituality, the alien communications, there were always things that were unbiblical. So I'm sure their archives are online, but if you go to Christian Research Institute, you can find some of the, some of the research they did on that. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you calling. And that helps people know where Alex came from uh, about his information. So that will... Now, I didn't mean he came from outer space. When I said that that uh-uh. way, Devin looked at me like, where did <laughs> Alex come from? No, where he got his information. So, I, I'm from that faraway planet uh, called North Carolina. North Carolina. <laughs> hey, let's go to Virginia and talk to Jim. Jim, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, fellas. How you doing? Doing well. I was curious. Uh, the thief on the cross, was he a Jew or Gentile? Okay. Uh, I... You, do we know Bert? We don't know. Uh, I would, being in Jerusalem, being who he is, I would say it had a greater fit than a 50% chance of being Jewish. Now, that's just mm-hmm. speculation. Which thief on the cross are you talking about, Jim? There were two of them. Now, I say that, I, here I am. I'm trying to be funny. Uh, but people will say, I'm going to be like the thief on the cross and get saved at the last moment. And I said, now, which thief? There was two of them. And, uh, but I figure you're talking about the one that was saved. Uh, but Alex, he seemed to have a background. He knew, he called him, you know, today, will you be with me in paradise? Will you remember, mm-hmm. when, Lord, when you come into your kingdom? Uh, I would say it's 50%, over a 50% chance of being Jewish, but I don't think we can know. Do you? Do you know what? We've often said that uh, Mount Calvary is like a microcosm of history. There's one that had Jesus, one that needed Jesus. And I'm just going to say this, and again, we don't know. Here's one of the reasons that I think what they call the penitent thief, the the thief that repented. There was the impenitent, the the unbelieving thief, and there was the believing thief. I think he might have been Jewish because, listen, you remember Barabbas was released— Barabbas and Judas Iscariot uh, probably knew each other in a sect that had tried to um, organize people to overthrow the Roman Empire. Maybe the, the believing thief was being executed because Rome swiftly and decisively would put down any rebellions. Um, I, I can't prove this, but I bet the believing thief probably knew Barabbas and was one of these insurrectionists, a zealot. Now, um, Jesus addressed him in a way uh, of the afterlife that a Jewish person would have understood. Right. Today you'll be with me in Abraham's bosom and paradise. Maybe the unbelieving thief was a Gentile, because it's like Calvary is kind of a little snapshot of the world. There's the Jews, the Gentiles, the believers, the non-believers. So we don't definitively know, but I'm with Bert. I think there's a 50, 51% chance he might have been Jewish. 
Let me say something else. He, by the way, we've got lines open. We just got one person waiting. So if you make that call right now, we'll probably you get might you get your in. call. Triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. But there's another apostle that they might have known, and that's Simon the Zealot, Alex, mm-hmm. because he was a zealot usually to overthrow the Roman Empire. That's what they were. They were zealots, and one of them, uh, he was politically uh, motivated in so many ways. So that may have been another avenue. Now, he didn't betray Jesus. He stayed strong with Jesus. But anyway, that may have been another one. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, next up here, we're going to go to Pennsylvania and talk to Mark. Mark, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Yes, go right um, ahead. I, I'm pulling off right now, and I'm going to maximize the quietness so we can have the best communication. So I was uh, listening to you all earlier in the show when I got in my car and, and down the road I went, and I was hearing you talk about uh, being people thinking they're too wrong to be used by God or whatever. And, and it occurs to me that you may have never heard the story of General Butt Naked. I don't know that name, Alex. Hmm. Go well, ahead, general, Mark, but make it. It's generally ma- make it, by Mark, who, Mark, make it as precise as you can. We do have other callers, so we want to hear it, though. Go ahead, man. I will. Uh, it's generally considered by people who generally consider these things that uh, the most evil man on the planet in the late 90s uh, was named Joshua Milton Blahi. He was a uh, combatant in the Liberian Civil War. His nom de guerre was General Butt Naked, primarily because his battle dress uniform was sneakers and a rifle. He mm. was a tribal priest in, in, in Liberia, by which you should understand that he knew Satan personally. All right? Uh, he would uh, regularly start his battle conquests out by sacrificing children. Okay, wow. Tell us what happened to him now. There was a congregation that got a call for 50 days of prayer and fasting, after which time they would uh, get to minister to General Butt Naked. So they did, and they did. And having heard the word that God's tired of this, you either repent or die. He did. And he became a national Christian hero in Liberia, because he was the only one out of that whole sordid, ugly event that exercised any contrition. Man. You, okay. you know, I have heard this story, and, and I want to thank you for calling in. I Now that you mentioned it, I had heard this, and uh, a pastor friend of mine in Colorado, who's a, a very, very trusted colleague of almost 20 years, had told me this story and, and verified it, and they knew missionaries in Liberia— Bert, this really is one of the great conversion stories of our time, certainly on par with almost like a Saul of Tarsus, you know? I, I'm going to look at more to it. I remember as a, as a boy, uh, we had a revival in my little community. The, the evangelist came in, and he asked, he said, pray for the most wicked person in your community. And he asked the church to keep praying for them. Well, I saw, I won't go into all names, but I saw a man that his mouth and life was just wrong. By the end of that week in revival, that man came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I, I just want to tell you, God has done it. He's, he will do it. Thank you for that call, Mark. 
Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Douglas. Douglas, welcome. Yes, a question about prayer. Yes, sir. Okay, I, I understand that God hears everything, but in terms of prayer, your, your prayer to God doesn't necessarily need to be a structured prayer. Can it be just a, a, a subconscious thought that he would, that he would understand and, and listen to? Okay, whether it's subconscious or not, I don't know, but I am telling you, I believe in vocal prayer and crying out, but I also, Alex, and I've talked about it here, believe in silent prayer because Satan has the power to hear words. You know, his demons yes. have power to hear words. And if it's an issue with me of overcoming something in my life and heart, many times I've prayed quietly uh, under the Lord. And whether it's subconscious or not, Doug, Douglas, that may be a, a too strong of a word, but I do believe in a silent prayer on certain issues. Alex, would you speak yeah. to that? I, I agree. I mean, the prince of the power of the air, that's one of the reasons. And listen, I, I hope I don't sound a little too radical, but things like Wi-Fi and airdrop and everything now is just wireless. Uh, the devil and all of his demons are in the atmosphere all around us. And we do pray a lot of very specific stuff out loud. And, Bert, I pray a lot of very specific stuff silently within the confines of my quiet quietness and my own mind. So, folks, you're right. Satan is listening. Now, I don't want you to be paranoid because greater is he who is in us, Jesus, than he who is in the world. But um, sometimes we have to be judicious about what we say out loud or what we don't say. Amen. Douglas, thank you for that call. Uh, I, I love questions about prayer. Let's go to Louisiana. Bob, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. And I like what Alex said earlier about the UFOs. Uh, uh, some may be uh, illusions from the Satan. And I know that uh, God would not have sent his son to other worlds if there were human life or beings that needed uh, salvation. He wouldn't have sent him back to be crucified a second time. And, or a third time, or a fourth time, or whatever. And uh, I, I just believe that it is a act of Satan. And uh, mm -hmm. although Billy Graham did once say there may be life on other planets, as many uh, universes and planets that God created also, but he didn't know what form. And uh, that's all I have to say about okay. that. Okay. Thank you, Bob. You remember what Alex said? He said intelligent life on other planets. And uh, if they get to, I mean, they're looking at Mars right now like everything up there. And if they find, a, a, you know, a one-cell uh, one life, uh, it doesn't take away from anything from the Word of God. Uh, yeah. Thank and you, Bert, Bob. You, you know, the whole, the whole idea that uh, a piece of bacteria on a meteorite could morph into life yeah. is really based on evolutionary assumptions. <laughs> See, yeah. life here is specific on this planet because human beings were a specific intentional creation. And the whole UFO idea, and they'll say, well, the universe is so big, surely life evolved somewhere else. Well, first of all, I... I I have to reject the very starting presupposition that life ever evolved anywhere. Yeah. Okay. I uh, 
thank you. Let me say this about UFOs and what it, what it has. And uh, God wants us here on this earth. And I, I saw a, a program. It wasn't a Christian program, but it was called The Perfect Planet. Now, it's not talking about us being perfect humans, but it talked about the earth, where it is located in our solar system, the distance from the sun, the rotation on the axis, the revolution around the sun, and the distance. One moon rather than two moons. That one moon causes the end tide and going out of the tide, which causes the life in the ocean to exist. And if it were two moons, the possibility of it being too much or pulling against one another, Alex, the perfect planet. Uh, now, that that was, again, not, not taking we're perfect, but God knew where to put life, did he not? He really did. Those are called the anthropic constants, the anthropic principle that this planet, Earth, was intentionally fine-tuned to support human life. And in fact, more than a few scientists have come to believe in a creator God and then later a savior Jesus based on these things that make us privileged enough to sustain life. It is. It is a great way. Uh, Look at that and see how God has designed it, and it's perfect. Uh, Thank you, Tim, Michael. We'd love to talk with you, but time has run out. Uh, got less than a minute to go, and we appreciate all the calls. And uh, we had more on the UFOs. We have never had mm. that before, and we took care I of three know. of them today, man. <laughs> well, hey, l- let's let's keep our attention on the very absolutely identified being from heaven, and that's Jesus who came to earth. It is. Hey, we're back Monday, and we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 15. Honestly, let me just say this. You don't want to miss it. You hear Alex and I talk about the councils of Nicaea and others. We want to hear about the council of Jerusalem that took place in chapter 15. You don't want to miss it because it had a lot to say about those of us who are Gentile believers, Alex. Amen. Folks, thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Go to church Sunday. Don't forget to go to church and tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.